Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me today. And it is so privileged for me to be with you guys. And I was so excited. I was uh, with VBS and uh, they, they made a lot of fun of me, you know, <laughs> because I'm from Turkey. And I remember after I share uh, uh, with the kids, one of the kids came and tell me, oh, you look delicious. Yeah. <laughs> but I had so much fun. Thank you. And I was uh, I was talking to your pastor, and she he told me that actually you guys are very gracious, and I hope that you are gracious uh, to my language, because uh, English is my second language. I have sometimes hard time, and I make a lots of mistakes sometimes. I hope that you will forgive me if I make the mistakes on my language. Okay, and I remember I was in California. I was preaching at the men's conference and I was I wanted to say that when we look at the Matthew chapter first we see Jesus uh, genealogy there is four women in it you know but what I said is when we look at the Jesus gynecology there is four women in it and they were laughing and laughing and I had no idea why they were laughing I knew that I didn't say anything uh, funny and after the church service, you know, this guy came to me and he said, Ramazan, I don't believe that Jesus ever had a gynecology, you know. <laughs> it's supposed to be genealogy. And then when I learned what this gynecology means, I felt more, more embarrassed. <laughs> I hope that it's not going to happen today. I'm from Turkey. Yeah, Turkey, uh, if you don't know where Turkey is, you can just look up your Bible because many places that mention in the Bible now it's in Turkey and Turkey was a Christian land and uh, Christianity spread and grow from the ancient land of Turkey now uh, the population of Turkey is 83 million there is only between six and seven thousand Turkish Christian in whole country that's actually a very sad story when you look at from the Christian perspective and I live, uh, I live in Antalya, city on the uh, south part of Turkey, coast of Mediterranean Sea. It's a beautiful city. And I want to start by taking you on a journey with me to this city of Antalya. And I want you to imagine standing on this mountaintop and overlooking a city more than a two million people in it. And most of these people, either culturally or conservatively are Muslim. And majority of them, most of them, they never heard the gospel message before in their life. Not only have they not heard, but worse than that, if you try to share the good news with them, they would most likely will give you a very hard time for it. Because Turkish people, Turkish culture, believe that Christianity is a very shameful thing or uh, bad things to study, believe, or follow. Most of the people in Turkey who hear the gospel message like the Greeks and the Jews, like during Paul's time. When you look at the uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 23, we see that Paul is saying that 
the message that he was preaching to Greeks, it was foolishness, and to Jews, it was uh, embarrassing. It's same in Turkey. Uh, it's kind of like same in Turkey too. Who hear the gospel message are like the Greeks and Jews like during Paul's time. For some of them, gospel is very embarrassing. And for some of them, gospel is very foolishness. And for some of them, gospel is even very dangerous. Because many years, Turks have been taught wrongly about Christianity. And because of all these misconceptions, those who do understand and put their faith in the message of Jesus Christ will be most like rejected by their family or kicked out by their home. And I have many of my friends like that in Turkey, in my church. Let me explain just how negatively uh, Christianity viewed by my society. We can actually do this uh, by comparing it how Muslims view homosexuality. In Turkish culture, homosexuality is a very shameful thing to be or uh, very, uh, very shameful. If you're a gay, you keep it very secret. Most Turks would never publicly reveal their gay identity. And the families would be a very shame to know if one of their own was homosexual. That being said, I had a friend that he became a Christian from very conservative Islamic background. His family was very conservative Muslims. And after he became a Christian, he's been rejected by his own family and he faced many challenges. On the day that he told his mom about his faith, that he became a Christian, his mom got very angry to him. And then she looked at him and she said, I wish you told me that you became a gay rather than a Christian. Think about it. Think about it, how uh, shameful things to be a Christian in Turkey. Hopefully, these, uh, there is a lot of uh, also way that we can see how Christianity looks very bad in my culture. We can also look at by watching television. And there is a lot of movies that set during the times of crusade, you know. And in these films, in these Turkish films, they show that the Turks, the Muslims in these films are right, just, and moral. In the contrast, in this film, the Christians were dirty. They look so messy and they drink wine and come from their beard and look so messy and they were murderer and raping woman and they portrayed like enemies and they show that Christians are evil uh, wicked character and also many religious leader they spoke up against Christians and Christianity on the Turkish media they tell all these lies to Turkish people they say that 
Christians are immoral. They say Christians are trying to divide our country, change the culture, brainwash the kids. And many, many people, they believe those lies in Turkey. And that's why they are not welcoming the Christians. They reject the Christians and they persecute the Christians in Turkey. And also many Turkish people, they learn Christianity from the Hollywood movies. And when they see all these uh, characters and the movies in the Hollywood, they think that that represents also Christian culture. Because they believe that all Americans are Christian. And when they see all these movies, and that's, they think that that represents also the Christian culture. And also, there is a lot of negativity about Christianity in my culture that comes from the Turkish proverbs and saying. And I don't know what do you call if you see someone who looks so poor and messy and dirty in your culture. What do you call that? I don't know. But in Turkish, you call papas. Papas means is actually the priest, Christian priest, okay? And if you became a, a bad, if your relationship became a bad with some person, you can say that, oh, we became a papas. We don't speak anymore each other because papa, you can't talk to papas, you know, you can't talk to pastors. And then uh, if you look so dirty and messy, they call you like, oh, you look like a papas. I remember when I was a kid and I was playing outside and coming home with these dirty clothes and messy hair. I had a hair at that time. And my mom was looking at me and she was telling me uh, with angry voice that you look like a priest. You look like a papas. I guess my mom must have the gift of prophecy. Little <laughs> did she know that one day I would become a priest. Hopefully, all these examples paint a clear picture of you, how, what Christianity looks like in my culture, in Turkey. I became a Christian 24 years ago, and all these year, years I faced many challenges. Because of my faith, my relatives, and they rejected me. And uh, many of my friends, they gave up on me. And I have been kicked out uh, many places after I share my faith with them. Some have mocked me and sworn at me. And as uh, I share with you before that uh, some of you uh, know that my life has been threatening many times. I know that the people in my society who persecute the Christians do these kind of stuff because that's how they have been raised. They taught, they have been taught wrongly about Christianity. They believe that Christians are immoral and dangerous because of all these misconceptions. And it is important that Turkish believers as a Turkish believers, we need to stand up and boldly proclaim the truth. But we cannot say that it will be easy or without risk. 
But I have learned over many years not to care what people think or say about me, and even regardless what they may do to me, I will remain among them, and I will share the gospel message with them because I am not ashamed of gospel. Because I believe that gospel is the power of God. I believe same like Paul. When we look at Romans chapter 1, this is what Paul says. Paul, he went many places in my country 2,000 years ago. With Barnaba, he did a lots of mission trip. And he shared the gospel with many people. And he started the churches in my country 2,000 years ago. Many people became a Christian. It wasn't so easy for Paul to share the gospel in that culture. Because even in that culture 2,000 years ago, the gospel message was still foolishness. And it was still embarrassing for some group. But Paul didn't care. Why? Because he did believe that Paul, uh, gospel has the power of God. And he wasn't ashamed of the gospel message. Why he wasn't ashamed of the gospel message? Because there was things that he, need, he was believing strongly about it. Okay, then, like... If we want to proclaim the gospel boldly without shame, what do we need to know? There is things that we need to know and believe. First things, like Paul, we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are in Jesus Christ. On the surface, Romans chapter 1 looks like a description of the character of Paul. It's as if he is introducing himself to us. But when we look at closer, we see that Paul's entire identity is wrapped in who... Look at what he's saying in this chapter about himself. He's saying that Paul, as a servant of Christ, called by Christ, set apart for Christ, through him for his namesake. You see... All that makes up the person of Paul, it depends on the person of Christ. Everything, that, everything he has, that he has because of Jesus Christ. His entire description of himself in this introduction is the, based on the fact that he belongs to Jesus Christ. And in, interestingly, his Describing himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. Okay, when we describe our relationship and our identity in Christ, what, what we focus on mostly? Usually we focus on the things like that we are the apple of God's eyes, the bride of Christ, friends of God, or children of God, or daughters and sons of the King, and so on. Praise the Lord! That these are all truth. And we should meditate on those. And live our lives according to, to it. But this is not all that we are, my brothers and sisters. We are 
also like Paul says, we are also slaves of Jesus Christ. Did you look at yourself from that perspective too? Why do we often overlook this aspect of our identity? Because we don't like the idea of being a slave. Yet Paul described himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Like this description of himself that Paul is doing. Actually, it was kind of like ridiculous in that uh, culture. Because during that time in Roman culture, being a slave was very humiliating and shameful things to be. Because slaves didn't have any rights. And they were property of their owners. And they were forced to do whatever their master wants them to do. Even though this title was very shameful in that culture at that time, yet Paul uses his analogy to describe this, his relationship to Christ. Even other letters, Paul talks about being a uh, slave. Paul had been slave to sin, but because of what Jesus did for him, and he pray, uh, he prized, uh, he paid, and for his sin, and Paul voluntarily became a voluntarily slave of Jesus Christ. And with Jesus as his master, Paul, he knew that he was obedient to proclaim the good news to others. That's why he went to all these places in Turkey 2,000 years ago and he shared the gospel because he felt that he was obligated. And that's what Jesus wanted him to do. And he did that with all his heart. Matthew chapter 28, we also know that our master Jesus Christ giving us the duty to take the gospel to the end of the earth. Like we experience today in Turkey, the message that Paul was giving to share in his time was considered foolishness. Think about that. At that time, the Greeks has many gods. These gods were powerful strong and wise. But Jesus was a poor carpenter who was killed on a cross by Roman soldiers by the order of Roman governor. And he was said to be God but live as a human among people who took his life in the most shameful way by the death on a cross. There wasn't much about Jesus Christ that was appealing in that culture. He seemed poor, weak, and helpless. The idea that Jesus could be a God was unacceptable and foolish message to Paul audience 2,000 years ago. Yet Paul introduced Christ as his master and encouraged people to be his slave. It's like today, same thing that we experience. 98% of the Turks are Muslims. Muslims believe that Jesus was just a man, a good prophet. 
but certainly not God. When we tell them that He was God in human form and He died on a cross for their sin and rose uh, from the dead, this message doesn't fit into what they have learned about who God is. They have been taught that God is so big and serious and powerful. And to say that God could have become a man and die on a cross is insult in my culture. When I talk to people often about my faith, they will agree with me about many things that we were talking. But when I get the point about Jesus Christ, that he became a human, as a God, he became a human and died on a cross for our sin, and then they became a very angry with me. As it is in Islamic culture, the idea of Jesus Christ and his death was considered foolishness in Paul's days. But before he met with Jesus, the Paul, he found his identity and security and pride in the following the law. But when he met with Jesus, his eyes were open. He realized that he was actually what he was living for. That was foolishness. And he understood that it was only the Christ who could take away his shame. When he understood this, he was able to share the gospel message without shame. And he could say pride with pride that he was the slave of Jesus Christ. My friend, I don't know what do you feel about it, but I cannot be ashamed of Jesus Christ because he wasn't ashamed of me. And he took my shame from me and he cleansed me. Knowing him and telling others about my relationship with him, I should do something I do with pride, you know. Like think about it. When you met, I don't know, did you met any celebrity or not, you know? When you met with celebrity, what do you do? What people usually do? They just go and take a picture with them, isn't it? And then after that, what they do? They put that picture on Facebook. They want everybody to see that they met with celebrity. And they want everybody to see that they know that person. I remember when I was in California, I was sitting at Starbucks with my wife, and I saw across the table the Chuck Liddell. He is the UFC fighter, the Iceman. When I saw him, I was telling my wife, look, this is Chuck Liddell. And he was having a very intense conversation with his girlfriend. I don't know, was he trying to broke up or not, something? But I, I wanted to go and take a picture with him. My wife said, hey, just sit down. He's having a conversation with his girlfriend. And I said, I don't care. I'm just going to go, you know. <laughs> and I went there and I took a picture with him. And after that, you know, he continued to his conversation. But... After that, I put that picture on my uh, Facebook, and I want people to see it, that I met with Chuck Liddell. 
That's what we do, isn't it? When we met this celebrity, we just put it on the Facebook and we want everybody to see. Of all the philosophers, artists, and leaders across the history, my friend, none of them was as famous as Jesus. Even the timeline of our history stated according to Jesus' birth and death, we are now at 2021, and after that, Jesus lived over 2,000 years ago, and he didn't write a single book, but there are millions of books about him and his teaching. And he didn't paint a single picture, but he is the subject of many uh, works of art by famous painters. He didn't write a single poem or song, but there are millions of songs and poems about him and his work. And he didn't, uh, he never built an army, but there are people who are willing to die for him. And he wasn't educated. But there was a lots of schools and hospitals and universities named after him. You see, he is the most famous person in our world. And you and I, we belong to him. And you and I have relationship with him. And we are his slaves and he is our master. Why would we ever be ashamed of this? He didn't reject us. How, how could we reject him? To the world, it might be foolishness to follow Jesus. To Americans, to Amer many Americans might think that it was foolishness to believe to Christianity or Jesus' message. But we know him, that he's our master and he's our king. And we should be proud about that. That's why if you want to boldly proclaim the gospel message to the others without shame, the first thing that you need to know who you are in Christ. The second thing that we need to know what we believe is very important message. Look at this. The first century believers took the gospel message around the world. Thousands of people believed and experienced total life change. Cultures were affected and reforms were made. Do you think that that believers of that day were more talented than we are? Or more gifted than we are? Or they, were they more courageous than we are? Or did they have more resources than we do? Of course not. Then what was the differences? The reason that there was much revelation at that time simply because the message of the Jesus Christ, the gospel, reached deeply in their hearts and those who believe it. The message of the gospel was the power of God because it saved people from eternal separation from God. In order to motivate and share the gospel message without shame, it is necessary for us that what we believe is so valuable and important. We must convince, convince that gospel has the power to change lives. You see here, 
like how gospel changed Paul's lives before he became a Christian, he, before he knew Jesus, he was following the law. He was persecuting the Christians. He was doing all, putting all his trust in different things. But after he saw, he met with Jesus Christ, his life is totally changed. And he believed that that message that Jesus gave him, it was very important that he could go to the nations and preach that. Because without believing that message, there is no salvation. Jesus is the only way. If you really believe that message, you have to share with others. Because others need to learn about it too. That's why it's so important. This message that changed lives. And the third things that we need to know is... Why we are here. Look at this verses 5. Paul says, Through him we receive the grace and the apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith. You see, Paul received the gospel, but he knew that it didn't stop right there. God's purpose for opening the Paul's eyes was not just for his salvation alone. It was much deeper than that. Look what Paul says in Galatians. God who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might go and preach him among the nations. This is the Paul. And I believe, I believe that same things that God's called me too for my nations. That's why I live in Turkey. That's why I live among my culture and my society. Even that they think that Christianity is foolishness. Even that they think that Christianity is embarrassing. I don't care. Because I believe that this message of the Jesus Christ is very powerful and important. And also, I know that my call from God, not just believe in this message, but also share this message with others that they can be saved too. How can I sit down when there is two and a half million people lost in my city and do nothing, anything about it? And I remember when I was sitting in that mountaintop, I just remember this. There was a, there's a guy, his name is D.L. Moody. Most of you guys, you know him probably. He was a great preacher. When he preached, thousands of people came to Christ. When he was teaching one time to the pastors, and one, one of the pastors came and asked him, Mr. Moody, how this happened? Like, when you share the gospel, a lot of people uh, coming to Christ. But we share the same thing. We don't get the same response. What is your secret? And then D.L. Moody said, he took him to the, by the window and he asked him, what do you see when you look at outside? And the guy answered, building, cars, people. And then he said, when I look at outside, I saw thousands of millions of people 
who lost their way and separated from God. And when I see that they were going, uh, they were not safe, and I, my heart broke, and I bow down, and I pray for them every day, and then I go and share the gospel with them. Because I know that if they don't put their faith in Jesus Christ, they will be lost. And I feel the same thing like the Al Moody. When I sit down on that mountaintop, when I look at over my city, when I see all these lost people, I cannot just sit and do nothing. Because I believe that the message of Jesus Christ is the powerful message that changed lives. Even that it was foolishness, even that it was ridiculous for my culture, I just go and share. And maybe same thing in America for you too. How do you feel, my brothers and sisters, about the message, about the gospel that you believe? Do you feel embarrassed? Do you feel embarrassed to talk to people about Jesus? Or do you go and talk to them about Jesus? How do you feel about the message of Jesus Christ? I know that many people in America, they mock Christians. I know that many people in America, they think that Christianity or the Christian message is foolishness too. But do you believe the same like them? Or are you proud that you have this message in your life? If you're proud and if you're not ashamed of what Jesus done for you, and if you believe that that message is very important, you need to go and share this message with your friends and neighbors and colleagues. Because the message of Jesus Christ is the power of God change lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you save our lives. We thank you so much that you open our minds and our hearts and our eyes that we saw your glory. We thank you so much that you came to our world and you were not ashamed of us. And you take our shame on that cross and die for our sins that you cleaned us. Father, we thank you that you saved us. And now I pray that, Father, give us the courage that when we go out and talk with people about our relationship with you, that we will never be embarrassed. That we can boldly, like Paul, to say that gospel is the power of God and you are our Savior. Father, please give us the opportunity to share this gospel message with people that they never heard it before that they will come to this faith and they will glorify your name too. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. And I bless this church. I bless every people in this room that you will be with them. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.